Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry. My name is Matt Cabry, and we're uh, talking with Todd Anderson from Gear Tech, and this is Growing Greater Philadelphia, our radio podcast program here on WPHT. Todd, welcome. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about Gear Tech, because you were kind of in a funky place in your personal professional life that led to this kind of new chapter. Yes, uh, Matt, uh, we'll kind of try to put it in a nutshell for you. Back in 2015, I lost my job of uh, 20 years. I worked for a wonderful company. I was a designer. I designed primarily wallpaper and fabric for them. It was a family business. I worked for them for almost 20 years to the day. It's a family business. I spent a lot of time with the, the owner, the father, the sons, and basically forged my lifelong career with them. Unfortunately, the business had some ups and downs financially. The business was very big in the export market, and the export market really kind of went through some real serious ups and downs and the company saw need to downsize. And unfortunately, after 20 years, I was a big problem. When you look at the the paperwork, when the accountants look at financing, sure, it wasn't a good thing, I don't think. So they made the conscious decision to, to let me go at that point. Uh, as hard as it is for me to swallow, I understand it's business. At the end of the day, you have to remember that. Um, and to be honest, if it wasn't for them doing what they did, I would have never landed where I am now. Well, that's the silver lining that you don't necessarily yes. recognize. You know, going back to October of 2015, when you're confronted with this situation, um, it's never as bright as you uh, you know want it to be. Right. Um, so, but but to your point, you know, you're you're now at a crossroads. You I have am. A, a milestone moment in your in your professional career, yeah. and um, you were inspired. It sounds like to to make it change i was i mean i spent the 20 years in corporate america wanting and wishing to be an entrepreneur an inventor uh my family lineage is we're all uh mr wizards uh we make everything so it's been inbred in me from my fathers my uncles everybody Hey, make it yourself. Learn how to do it. Learn how to do this. Learn how to craft this. Learn how to sew this. Learn how to you know make everything on your own. So it's always been in the back of my mind. I've always fiddled around with entrepreneurship while I was in my career. Just wasn't able to really make something happen because I was very dedicated. My career was you know important to me. So it was hard for me to take that leap of faith. So like I said, as hard as it is to have lost my job, at the end of the day, it gave me the catalyst in 2015 to inevitably do what I wanted to do. It was the most darkest, depressing time of my life. I'm not going to lie to you. I have two children. I have a 16 and a 13-year-old. I have a lovely wife. I have a home with a mortgage that I wish I didn't have. And I had no job and no prospects of getting another one. As a graphic artist in this day and age, earning the type of salary and with the skill set that I had, things were not looking good to the point where I was ready to take a job as a school teacher. And then things changed. Yes. Take us back to the spring of 16. Yes. What was it that triggered it? Uh, major depression, uh, staring at the wall in my house, and a lifelong... My mother owned a kennel growing up, and we had a house full of dogs. And I made a commitment to basically 
uh, never have a dog again because I have wicked OCD and my house needs to be like the Barbie mansion. So it's perfectly clean and neat. And my, my wife uh, reminds me every day that's a little over the top. But I just saw myself, no more pets. I've done this my whole life, barking dogs, and I'm never going to do it again. 2016, spring, I couldn't take it anymore. The depression really had kind of set in. And uh, I called my wife on the phone and said, uh, it's May the 4th. It's pouring rain. You know, we're a big Star Wars fan, so may the fourth be with you. I'm going to hop in the Jeep and uh, drive down to the SPCA with the kids and t- take a look at dogs. My wife, Joyce, she really thought she was going to need to call a doctor. She, yeah, right. she thought, this is it. He's gone over the edge. This makes absolutely no sense. It's a complete contradiction to who I am. She only knows me with OCD and you know perfection and everything's in line and in order. And a, and a dog in your home disrupts all that. Children don't in my mind you know you can keep children clean and neat and the dog no so here i go and my wife didn't pay any attention to really what was going on because she thought it was just some insane you know play of words and right right and so so when you climb in the car with your two boys and your mission is to go to the spca with the intention of getting a dog were there any parameters there yes uh my wife said whatever you do do not bring home a pit bull and i didn't understand why she had said that. I mean, there is a uh, stigma attached to the breed, unfortunately. And I think she was more concerned about people's perception towards us in our neighborhood where it's, I'm not going to lie, it's a Labradoodle, Golden Doodle neighborhood. And uh, she just, I think she was just thinking, look, I don't want to have that stigma. We're already the Adams family in the neighborhood. We're already the black sheep. So it's like, let's not make it worse. And in the back of my mind, I said, well, that's all I want. I want a big bulldog. I want the biggest, blackest, darkest, meanest bulldog I can get. It was bred out of, um, at the time, I had spent the last five years in a, an MMA training gym, uh, really poorly learning how to you know, martial arts, mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai. Not that I was ever good at it, not that I was ever credible at it, but it was something I took up late in life when I was 40. And just fell in love with it. It was it was something that just really changed my mental state. Getting beat up by your best friend, shaking hands, giving each other a hug, is very humbling, and it, it did change my life. But I thought, you know, I'm missing this like cool bulldog at the gym with me. Yeah, you know. So yeah. that was always what was in the back of my mind. So we set off to the SPCA, and uh, I knew what I wanted, and uh, the kids had no idea. They were just like, "Cool, we're gonna get a dog." And my wife told me, don't bring home a pit bull. And uh, <laughs> we arrived at the SPCA. I walked in, and I told them exactly what I want. I wanted a puppy. I wanted to start young. Not knowing that it's not common to find what you want, especially in a puppy at the SPCA. Well, the two young ladies that were there, God bless them. One of them I actually still speak to to this day, Megan Malarney. And uh, she said, look, we only f- we've got one black bulldog here and she's an american bulldog am staff mix and she's older she's not a puppy she's really cute though and i thought no cute is not not where i'm going with this and she said oh you have to meet her you have to meet her and i said no i want a big black scary puppy you know i want to raise the puppy up take him to the gym and she said please just meet denise and i thought denise right oh my goodness you must be crazy here so Megan was a sweetheart, so I thought, I'm going to humor her. I'm going to go into this room and meet this dog. 
and with my kids and she brings this dirty skinny black bulldog in who is afraid of her shadow and you fell I, in love i did I, I at first glance i'm like no but then she like looked at me with this they call it the pity smile and that was it. it 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 just that from that moment forward it was it was 10 seconds we took a picture of the we call her our puppy we, she's not a puppy she's almost four now and sent it to my wife and she was going bananas like it's a pit bull oh my god it's an american bulldog and no what are you talking about you're crazy you're just looking right you're just looking right. the you one know. thing i ask you not to get yeah. you're coming home with and she's working. She's a personal trainer. So she's in the middle of training a client. There's a lot of noise, a lot of commotion. And she's not really paying as much attention to it as she probably would have liked to. And we were already on our way home with her. You know, we literally, she, we fell in love with her. I mean, it took seconds. She needed a home. And I needed a companion. And my kids fell in love with her. She was wagging her tail. She was going bananas with us. And it didn't, at that point, it was like puppy. Everything that I really needed wasn't important. Although she was big and black. And I just really wanted a big black bulldog. So threw her in the Jeep and we drove home. And I get home. My wife pulls in the driveway and she's got this look on her face like, what did you do? And there she is sitting in the middle of the living room, still dirty, and she's kind of gray and skinny, underweight. And I'm like, there she is, Denise. Look at her. She's, she's awesome. And uh, kids loved her. And my wife was very much the same as me at first glance. Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe there's a dog in our home. What are you going to do? And she was licking me profusely. And I have a very strange OCD mentality. I have a phobia of cleanliness. So she's looking at this dog licking me to death and she's like, he's lost his mind. But it's in a good way, I think. Right. He and needs that was this. it. He needs right. this. And that and that was it. And that yeah. was and that was the day that my life changed. I don't mean like my I love my kids. I didn't love my kids. Not my family's always been my sure. like, my cornerstone your of my life. Focus, absolutely. Primary focus, yeah. but yeah. personally, yeah. But and you're right. It did change your life because ultimately you had to take Denise, who you now refer to as her name is Darby. Darby, yes. Much more fitting for a, a, a beautiful black bulldog. Right after my grandmother, Darby uh, was nice. my grandmother. She was English. Even more special. Right. right. Yeah. So ultimately, you have to take Darby for a walk. Yeah. And this is really where <laughs> yeah. things started to change. This is, it, it, you know, it is a, Matt, it is a good story. I mean, I, I do like to tell it, but uh, yeah, I mean, we got home at night, so we didn't really go for a walk. Uh, they gave us a leash and a harness, free of charge. I mean, they were very happy to help us out. The SPCA was great. And, you know, we just basically, I spent the night on the floor with her, you know, and she was still very scared and she was still in a new environment. The next morning it was, you know, okay, I have no job still and, I don't want to look at this right now. I want to try to focus on this puppy and, uh, you know, let's go take a walk. We have a mile and a half walking trail in my backyard. We're nice. very blessed. We have like some preserved wetlands and a big paved trail around us. So I said, let's go for a walk. She at the time was 65 pounds, but she's still an American bulldog. She's still super strong. And I put the harness on, put the leash on, very intimidated by both and me holding it. And she just pulled me down the street. And we walked for about an hour. I enjoyed every minute of it. But what I didn't enjoy was the fact that my right arm was now six inches longer than my left. I have torn rotator cuffs. I have lower back injuries. And 
it was painful and I was not enjoying this experience. I love the hike. I love the walk. I love the outdoors. I love the look around me at my surroundings. And I felt I could not do that with this, what I like to call this connection between canine and human that exists today. As we know it, it's the only way. Right. And then she pooped on top of it. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, this is what everybody does. You know, okay, let me get that bag out of my back pocket. And, uh, She's 65 pounds. She's 65 pounds. So she left me what I'd like to always refer to as a small child present on the ground. Right. And I have to use recycled grocery bags because the, the cute little bags you get at the pet store aren't big enough. And I am not afraid of it. Uh, with OCD and cleanliness issues, I'm still not afraid of it. And I have two boys. Scooped it up. And now I'm holding a bag of poop big bag of poop and i thought this is the weirdest strangest phenomenon on the planet like who i've never seen human beings walking down the streets we're in philadelphia so let's use that as an example walking around the streets of philadelphia with kids holding their poop or their own for that matter so i thought this is this has got to change and i'm laughing at myself the whole time and i went home and thought i'm going to invent something i'm going to go down into my laboratory my basement and i have surplus materials from odds and end projects and i want to make something to contain her poop because i don't want to hold it and that's what happened I, I just spent about a day my wife you know again is concerned about what i'm doing and now i'm all wrapped up in military spec webbing and neoprene uh pouches and i come up with this what looks like something you'd carry water through the jungle in at the time. And I said, look, honey, it's a poop holder. <laughs> and she just thought, oh, God, not again. Here we go down the road. And he's got another invention. What are you going to do now? Call the patent office? And I said, maybe. You never know. Right? right. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. So it at this stage, it was in very rough form. It was at the original concept, and I basically just wore it over my shoulder, took Darby for a walk. She pooped. I cleaned it up. I put the poop in it and thought, okay, great. I'm not holding poop anymore. It was not uh, the most functional of devices at the time, but it worked. It was the beginning. It was the nucleus of what GearTech Systems is. And what I love about this, Todd, is that you are going through, um, again, a crossroads in your own career. Mm-hmm. You turn to uh, a beautiful dog uh, to help you get through some of that. Right. Uh, you embrace Darby. You yes. even embrace the whole process of going for a walk. And to your point, you enjoy being in the outdoors. And um, But you recognize that you can do this better when it comes to how are we engaging with our dog's um, waste. Right. And there has to be a way, better way to do it. And you're inspired to create this new device. Uh, and, and it's feeling right. It's going in the right direction. Help us get to where ultimately... This becomes more than just a solution for the Anderson family right. and for Todd. Right. And it ultimately becomes something we now know today as GearTech, a startup company in greater Philadelphia that's transforming how we engage with our pets in terms of our not only uh, waste management, but, yeah. but also Perfect. how we manage our interaction with them while enjoying a walk, both the, the human side and the, and the pet side. So now we are walking this dog every day. Over the next couple of weeks, she's now, actually probably the next couple of months, she's up to 85 pounds. She's back to a healthy weight. She's a big dog. She's a beast. Her collar falls off of her head. Her neck is so, so thick. So we have to harness her. I like the idea of a harness because orthopedically it doesn't 
choke her, doesn't gag her, doesn't mess with her larynx. The uh, the beautiful thing is I'm walking every day and I'm putting her poop in this design, this this pouch I made. So I decided to take it to the next level. People have admired it. People have said, wow, you're not holding poop anymore. And then I decided, okay, let me see if, uh, I'm not doing anything else right now. Let me see if this is a marketable idea. Let me now get my pen and pencil out, get my Excel spreadsheet out. Let me price this. Let me make it tangible for retail sale. That process changed the design greatly. We realized we had way too much material, way too much in the product, and it was not going to be retailable at that price point. So we went through a complete design modification of the pouch. We had two pouches. We had the pouch with the bags and then the pouch to put the poop in when we were done. Too many costs. My mantra was made in the USA, high quality materials. It was going to cost a fortune. So I went into another deep depressive slump and thought, oh man, I thought I was going to something. It's not going to work. Woke up the next morning and thought, well, let's just do it out of one pouch that basically has an in and an out. Basically, the pouch now is a coin purse with a bottom slit to pull the bag out, scoop the poop, and you put it in the top. That simple. There's a GearTag K9. Now we've got a cool kind of functional, it, it came together. You know, it went from crude to very functional and almost fashionable. I mean, you got to remember, this thing looks like Batman's utility belt that you wear over your shoulder. And I'll tell you what I hear. I hear uh, efficient, yeah, practical, cost-effective, easy to use, easy to wear, because this is a device that I want to learn more about how the user actually has it contained on their on their person. Right. Uh, that also operates as a functional, um, you know, walking device for the pet as well. Right. Right. And that's that's key. And I know that's why you're, you're getting driving me to is the walking yeah. aspect of it, which is the another amazing uh, story. I, I said to the wife, let's go up to French Creek State Park and take a bunch of pictures of this thing. Never have I connected a dog to it. That's the more the end game of this story. It was just a poop sling, for lack of better terms. And we go to the park and we're fumbling around with cameras and shirts. And my wife's wearing black, but the device is black. I'm like, you can't. You got to wear gray. You know, we're having a typical marital uh, conversation in the middle of the woods. And I said, do me a favor. Put on the poop sling. Clip the leash. Tie your leash around the bottom of this thing. And let the dog just sit there for a second so we can get you you know, ready to photograph. And after 10 minutes of doing this, I realized my dog, Darby, she just sat there looking at us, calm, collective, not nervous. And she's a little anxiety ridden at this stage still with us. She's new with this. She doesn't like the leash so much. And she would like to get away from the leash a lot of times. And she's on camera. And she's on camera. <laughs> right. So there's a lot of issues with that with most canines and here she is now sitting on her foot looking back relaxed my wife's able to use both her hands she's answering her phone she's changing her shirt she's you know moving the the poop sling around and getting it perfect to photograph and i just it just hit me like wait a second i've never seen i've never heard of anything in the world to walk your dog that you don't use your hands and there it was, the GearTech K9. It was just born right then and there. So it was like a double process. First, it was all about waste management. And then it turned into, this is a hands-free dog walking device. 
and we spent the next two hours walking around like a two and a half mile trail around the lake we never touched the leash and the dog walked beautifully she stayed right by my wife's five one she's a small little petite thing and pulled a lot with darby again there's a big thing with walking a dog especially with ladies they have a high frequency of energy different than men they exude that energy through their hands through their feet very much like tai chi you throw the energy off your body they're sending this energy down their leash okay now unfortunately it is not a sex issue it has nothing to do with being a woman and being a lady it's energy the dog does not know the difference except the energy and that frequency is very powerful it is it is very disruptive to the dog it goes right to the back of their neck they don't like it they don't want it it'd be like putting your hands around your kid's neck it's not a happy experience yeah, it makes them excitable right very excitable it raises anxiety in a dog that can already have anxiety so i saw it just disappear instantly with her and she just would look back and just make sure my wife was still there every once in a while and but my wife was also relaxed her arms not being stretched out She's picking up, you know, daisies and, you know, what she does in the woods. And she's enjoying the walk as much yeah. as Darby's enjoying the walk. Exactly. And life went from, you know, before we had kids, we used to do this all the time. We used to love walking, love hiking, and we enjoyed it immensely. Kids came along, made it more difficult. They're in backpacks. They're holding, we're holding their hands and it becomes more difficult, but you still do it. With a dog, it was even more difficult because now you're holding a leash. I have severe vertigo. I had a bad bout of Lyme disease. So if I step over a log and I bend over too much, I keep going. So that's really not cool with a leash because then you don't have both your hands to stabilize yourself. So all these things hit me at 100 miles an hour, all these solutions, all these benefits, you know, safety, stability, uh, the potential change for your dog to be calmer. I say that very carefully, potential, because you can't, I'm not a dog trainer, I'm not certified. I don't want anybody to ever get the impression that I think I'm some canine wizard. I'm just a guy with a dog who learned about energy release. And I learned about the relationship between human and canine. And I do firmly believe, and I have enough information, you can see it on my website, to believe it has changed people's lives. People have emailed me in tears. I don't, I don't know that they're actually in tears, but they say they are. Mm -hmm. Um saying it changed their life. I have a shoulder injury. I can walk my dog again. Uh, I have a baby in a stroller. I don't fear that the dog is going to knock the stroller over. There is definitely a benefit. I can't guarantee 100% miracles to people. Uh, a lot of it is you. But you will calm down also. Mm -hmm. When your hands are free and you're walking upright and your back's not strained and the dog's not spinning around you, twisting your arms, you change a lot. You go from... A moment where oftentimes the dog owner, the dog walker, the dog handler is sometimes fighting with the dog to relaxing and enjoying a beautiful walk in the woods with your your best friend. Uh, and it's as equally enjoyable for both parties. What I love, Todd, is you went from, for lack of a better descriptor, and you use this term a couple times, a, you know, kind of a... Uh, a poop pouch. Mm -hmm. uh, you went from, how do I make this experience better and easier and more efficient, uh, to then having that aha moment of, 
I think we actually can create a hands-free leash device for dogs that doubles as and houses a a poop pouch system. Yes. And hence GearTac Canine was born. Yes. Tell us about the name. Did you have that name that day in French Creek Park with your with your wife and with Darby uh, or did that hit you later? No, it's a little I'll, I'll try to make this Matt, I'll try to make this story short. But yes, GearTac was a business an LLC again with my entrepreneurial spirit with my wanting to patent something and always have this dream my best friend Jason Heflin God bless him he and I 10 years I want to say 10-15 years ago made a product for MMA gear while we're in the gym everybody throws the gear in a bag it's sweaty it smells it rots just like ice hockey gear very same mentality you are sweating profusely with another person, typically another male, and you're combining the sweats and they're bacteria ridden and you're throwing all your gear into a bag and you're going home, leaving them in your trunk, shorting a life of your gear. Average lifespan of a good pair of boxing gloves should be about two months in a gym if you use them regularly, if you're an avid trainer. We took that from two months to two years with the fact that we never put our gear in a bag we hung it on the original gear tack. Gear tack was gear tack, Velcro. Gotcha. So it was a bandolier type device. You didn't wear it over your shoulders because Velcro would be a little painful over your shoulders, but it was structured very similarly. had a big hook on the top. So you could walk into a gym, hang it up, boxing gloves. You could have 16 ounce, eight ounce uh, shin guards, headgear, whatever gear you had. All MMA gear has Velcro on it. Everything hung off it. It was like a Christmas tree for fighters. And we started this business. It sounded cool. It looked cool. We went to a UFC Fan Expo. We went out to Vegas to a big trade show. We thought, you know, here we go. We're going to be like best friends with Dana White with this one. Um, didn't sell one. Hmm. We had 500 of them that we made and did not sell one. There was a commitment issue. It was so different, so outside the box. It just never took off and yeah one it, of those yeah one of those do i really need this type of moments that i do i need to invest in something like that and they didn't yeah. necessarily appreciate it so you had the LLL, llc already set up known as gear tech and it was sitting on the shelf it was basically shelved and yeah. it for a for five years yeah you know but i had a basement full of materials yeah you know and then you just resurrected the gear tech llc brand if you will for yes. your new inspired initiative of a of a um uh hands-free dog walking device and and a poop pouch connection to it as well and hence the addition of canine to gear tech canine right totally. i love it That's i still because i always i had a passion with the, the you know gear tech to me still meant something gear everything's about gear for a guy you know yeah. guys love gear tack is tack like tactile number one but it's also tactical i love mil spec mentality i love heavy duty gear i like quality so to me it still was very very appropriate to use gear tack even velcro was gone out of the equation had nothing to do with velcro that didn't matter it was about gear tack systems we just added the systems and we just kind of restructured the llc and uh that was it you know, we, 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 like you said, we put canine on the pouch because now we're directing it towards canine. I think the big difference was it wasn't a luxury item. It was almost 
it's almost a necessity. Yeah. When you see it in use, right. I mean, I love doing pet yeah. shows. I love pet shows, even though they're an interesting dynamic of people wanting to show you every picture they ever took of their dog. Uh, they're passionate about their pet. And everybody with a bulldog pull, walks up to me with their arms stretched out, dog pulling them down you know, the pathway. And I say, hey, look, let me uh, show you a magic trick. And they think, like, who's this guy and what kind of smoke and mirrors is he selling? I mean, I'm known as the snake oil salesman as a joke. And I said, let me have your dog. Take your dog. Hook your dog into the Gear Tech K9. I, I live with it on. I swear I'm wearing a lifetime seatbelt. And I just stand there and talk to him for two minutes. And then after two minutes, I say, so what's different about your life right now? And they're like, I don't know. I'm just standing here talking to you. I'm like, look at your dog sitting on the ground. Usually at that point, asleep. And they just... I, they, I've had people cry. I've had mm -hmm. people say, you're performing some sort of voodoo. Like, right. this is just not normal. My dog's never done that. Right. And I'm like, watch this. I give the leash back and boom, dog's right back to being tight on the leash and trying to get away from him. There's a sense of security that is relaxing and it's not confining for them, it sounds like. And that, that really eases them. It's really cool and a really neat approach to it. Um, talk a little bit about the manufacturing. You're headquartered in Montgomery County. You're doing manufacturing in central Pennsylvania area, Lehigh Valley, Wilkesboro area with, yeah. a, with a nice group of uh, folks who kind of can deliver what you need in a, in a very cost-efficient way. Yes. Um, how's distribution? How's the uh, growth of the business been over the past 18 months or so? To me, I feel it. I think it's been amazing. I'm not used to this, so it's new to me. Um, we've sold over 2,000 units. That's great. Congratulations. Just by hand, you yeah. know, just by word of mouth and trade shows. I'm not going to lie to you. The website's a tough thing. It's really hard to search for something that doesn't exist in people's minds. I'm not paying a big marketing company to do fancy SEO for me because it's not going to get me anywhere because no one, you can't, you can't search for something that doesn't exist. And this is basically that product. So I have to go grassroots to the people with it. And that's what I've done. And in that, uh, it's been less than a year and a half on the road. I do a trade show about every two weeks, so every other weekend. And uh, like I said, we're right around the 2000 mark of sales. And I'm like, wow, I think that's pretty good. I don't know, you know maybe I'm wrong, but uh, for me, that's... Uh, that's a lot. I mean, I've made every one of these. Don't forget. I mean, like you had said, Matt, I make these in my basement. I'm very, very fortunate that the design of the product allows me to manufacture it without a lot of big equipment. The equipment necessities are minimal. It's very laborious. It's a labor intensive. It's a labor of love. So I'm able to put it together with, with people, with family. That's mm -hmm. who helps me. My father, my wife, my kids, my mother, my father-in-law. These are my employees. They hate me. They don't get paid. They just work weekends and they work late nights. But we were able to do this on our own in our basement. Uh, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, we have outgrown our basement. And like you said, we have had to solicit the manufacturing in uh, Wilkes-Barre, PA. And that's not a bad thing. No, no. The company, I found this uh, company named A. Rifkin and uh, a lady by the name of Jamie Durkin. They are 125 years old. They've been around. They make uh, deposit bags for banks. But they're, they're a big, they call them, there's a name for them. That's a sewing company. Mm -hmm. You know, they sew. Yeah, customized, cut and sew. customized textiles, it sounds right. like. Right, yeah, yeah, it's called, I was talking to a guy this morning, cut and sew business. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
they are they're perfect i love them they're just uh every employee's been there like 30 40 years and uh it comes back to your family roots yeah. and your passion for um being part of an entrepreneurial kind of community both in your your previous professional career and now in your current professional career yeah so it's a nice fit it sounds like it is it's, it's beautiful i mean my business model my mantra is if i can't look at you face to face and have a conversation with you as a one-on-one human to human it's not going to work not travel in the country let me ask where when i was thinking about meeting you today todd for our conversation qvc home shopping network uh shark tank those kinds of images were coming into my mind as places that could take you to the next level has that been swirling It, it is and it's i'm i'm not gonna lie to you we've sent the application into qvc um I'm very transparent, man. You'll 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 learn that about me. Uh, they rejected us, to be honest, which I was blown away. I said, "How could you reject us? This is the best infomercial ever." Apparently, that's that happens very commonly with QVC. You got to attack it a couple times, but we are definitely we're an infomercial company. It has to be demonstrated. Exactly, people have to see it to appreciate. You it. do because again, it doesn't exist. So you have to show people how it can actually work and. Uh, I'm not afraid of Shark Tank. I would entertain the idea of it. I'm a little intimidated by the corporate world. I like what I'm doing. I'm very old school. I'm very grassroots. I'm very hands-on. I've done a lot of business on a handshake. Not a lot of paperwork. And uh, not to say that I couldn't have the same relationship with a TV show like Shark Tank, but uh, I'm not into the big hockey stick of, you know, millions of dollars of sales overnight. It, right. I shouldn't say I'm not into that, but it's like I like my nice steady growth. It's mm. it's real. It's it's natural. It's organic, and it's it. Like I said, it's real. Yeah, you know, that's it's, great. It's not. Uh, and speaking of growth, you meet a lot of different folks in your uh, connections at different trade shows and and relationships, and you've come upon a new opportunity with uh, with the canine community. Yes, over the eighteen months. Um, my goal, because I'm not a trainer, I'm not certified, I, I don't feel, I'm really hard on myself. I don't feel that I have qualifications that are necessary to promote certain things about what this device can do. I make it very clear to people I'm not a trainer. I make it very clear that this is not a miracle device. It's up to you and your dog. Um, but my goal, my dream was to get with a group of people in canine, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be military whether it be service dog industry, I wanted to get together and form an alliance with a group of people like that who have the credibility, who have the background, who can say this is a legitimate product. We use this product. And I just happened to stumble upon a group of people who can do that. Uh, There's a company called the Throwaway Dogs Project, Carol Skaziak. It's a nonprofit. She rescues dogs and turns them into law enforcement dogs, narcotics dogs. And uh, I met her actually nine months ago, and uh, God bless her. She basically talked to me for an hour, nodded her head a lot, and I haven't heard from her since. She's so passionate, so into what she does. She has no time for anything else. And I'm 100% knocking on the door all the time, and she just just didn't have the time for it. So it, it went about nine months, I hadn't heard from her. And I thought, well, this isn't going anywhere. And I'm just plodding along nicely with my, my business as it is. And then uh, we just happened to cross paths one day. Again, nine months later. 
she had a question, she had a, a favor, she needed some advice on something, and I, I'm not gonna lie, Carl, please, if you hear this, I baited her a little bit. I kind of hooked her, and she was very, very conscious of the amount of work I put into her, her requests, her needs at the time. And she said, you need to be rewarded for what you've done, for your help. Um, and I said, nope, everything's cool. I don't need anything from me except for one thing. And she said, you know, what, what is it? I said, a business alliance. I said, I want, you know, I want to partner with you. I, I want you to fill a void that I have. And that's some credibility. And a link to a huge network of canine and law enforcement and training. And uh, like I said, she almost couldn't say no because I really tried hard to do what I could to help her out. And, but I also had to sell myself to her. And she believed in you. Exactly. If she didn't, exactly. she wouldn't have taken it to the next level. She's very, very passionate. And uh, I almost have pride in the fact that we have built a, an alliance because of that. Uh, it makes me feel better about myself that she's actually willing to deal with me, to tolerate my goals in business. Again, she's so passionate. She's so involved in what she's doing with canine training. For her to even think about a product line, it, it's just overwhelming to her so my my idea and my what i promised her was i'll handle everything just agree to do it with me and we've done that now she has partners that uh work with her so there's actually four of us total in this uh little project the uh we're gonna have this little business called throwaway dogs gear and it's gonna be very high-end law enforcement based canine gear and the idea is talking to uh, their head trainer, Will Myers. There's a lot of nice stuff out there, but there's not a package. There's not a place to go and get everything you need, all matching, all tailored to your dog. There's always something about everything that's not 100%. So that's our goal. That's our mission statement. And is there a philanthropic component to this to help uh, dogs that um, need a family? Yes, 100%. I mean, again, with Carol's main Throwaway Dogs project, it is all nonprofit. So the my angle with Carol was, look, let's be philanthropic with this venture and donate proceeds from the sales of everything that we sell through Throwaway Dogs gear back to your fund, back to your foundation. Um, it's in its infancy. We have a website up and we have some products and uh, I'm really excited. I mean, it put me into super, super high gear. I mean, I went from the GearTech K9, a very select group of leashes that we offer with that program to now, I'm kind of unveiling it, I guess, in a way, uh, harnesses and vests for dogs. Um, big time changes in what they are. There's a lot of problems in a dog harness. Orthopedically, they are very poor for your dog. A lot of them choke dogs. A lot of them hurt their nervous system. Very bad for their articulation of their legs. We have completely redesigned it, re-engineered it to the point where we're actually going to patent our harness. So that has been incorporated into this law enforcement program. Um, and I've got a guy, Will Myers, using it on duty and he's loving it, you know, and that's the most important thing. And, and we turned it into a vest. So now we've got a, a, a vest for people. I mean, primarily law enforcement, but it will be obviously available for the consumer public too. It's... Uh, it's gear tech cool that's you know, great it's uh it's neat yeah. yeah that's really i can't wait to see it and i will tell you todd one of the things that really inspires me is it sounds like you have the ingredients 
for a win-win situation with um, the throwaway dog gear initiative, and you're expanding your original vision for gear tech canine to the next level, and it's really inspiring. Right. I, I want to talk for a minute about sure. the entrepreneurial community because I, I know you're in suburban Philadelphia in Pottstown, Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Are you native to Greater Philadelphia? I was born in Narstown, PA. Beautiful. <clears throat> Do you feel a specialness about the entrepreneurial community in Greater Philadelphia, or is that not really your scene? You know, you're just doing your thing out in Pottstown and connecting with the right people you need to connect with, and it's not so much a community of entrepreneurs necessarily that you turn to. It's it's kind of your innate ability to, to advance a, a concept to reality. I don't consider myself a businessman by any means. I'm a, I'm a designer. I'm a layman. I like to get my hands dirty. So everything I'm doing is probably wrong. It's probably unorthodox. It's probably going against the grain of every entrepreneurial uh, statement out there. Yeah, and that's totally cool. Well, I was just going down this this path of, and the, we feel it a little bit more in the urban areas. So, especially Philadelphia, you know, the Kensington, Fishtown, Port Richmond, Northern Liberties, South Philadelphia area. There are these pockets of of makers, if you will, very young entrepreneurial folks. A lot of them, to be fair, are in the digital space or in the tech space. And there's this energy of startup community. And I wasn't sure, frankly, if if you were feeling some of that or if it was kind of something you're aware of, but it's over there and it doesn't really affect our day to day. Uh, It's a little bit of both, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I do see it. I do feel it. Um, I'm happy that it's out there. I don't feel alone. I feel like it's also big in food. Totally. You know, like the whole restaurant industry and food industry. I, I love to see these yeah, small. It's like it's like a rebirth of America. Um, we need to. We need to start from the bottom and work our way back up as a country. And I love that it's happening. It's important. It's difficult. Okay? We don't live in a culture that makes it easy right now. In my mind, my personal experience has really uh, i've had some really i had like i had a really tough morning today with it and it's just trying to find support as a small entrepreneur who wants to do everything on his own he wants to source all his own materials he wants to keep it close to the hip it's it's not easy everything's about everything's about export everything's about big big corporation everybody wants me to call petco and and pet smart and it's like yeah, doing it bigger, bigger, faster. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but what I love is, and I know you're in Pottstown, which is a town that is really special. The spirit that I like to bring from a select greater Philadelphia perspective and from a growing greater Philadelphia perspective is that entrepreneurial feel and the fact that Gear Tech Canine it's happening right here in greater Philadelphia. Yeah. Could you do it somewhere else in the world? Maybe. But you're here. This yeah. is where your roots are. This is where your DNA was established. And this is uh, the community that made Todd Anderson who he is. You're 100% correct, Matt. And I don't know. I think, you know, up until now, Matt, I'm going to be honest with you, I think I've taken it for granted. I went to college in Philadelphia. I went to Philadelphia University, which was Philadelphia Textile. So when you say DNA and bread, and you know, you're 100% correct. And... I think I owe more credit to that than I really realized in the beginning. And you're right. You're right. It's uh, thank you for pointing that out to me. Now that I think about it, um, I don't know that I could have done it as easily elsewhere. Um, yeah, I'm out in the middle of Pottstown, the woods, basically outside of the town. And but 
I love Pottstown. It needs that resurgence. It, I want to see what happened in Maniunk, Phoenixville, happen in Pottstown. Whether it will, I don't know, but I drive down High Street every day because I have to take my orders to the post office. And I dream of having a storefront. I do. Uh, it scares me to death to think of a retail store, Gear Tech Systems, and the viability of that. It scares me to death because we don't live in that world. We live on the internet. But would I love to have a Gear Tech Systems store catering to tailor-made high-end canine gear in town? I would. And I would do it in a second if I knew I could. Yeah, totally. I really would. So if folks want to learn more, it's GearTacSystems.com. Yes. Todd Anderson, GearTac Canine. Thank you for being our guest today on Growing Greater Philadelphia. It's really special, and I'm really glad I got a chance to meet with you. Yes, me too, Matt. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you've even made me start to think about a couple things also that uh, I have to be proud of. So thank you very much, Matt. Hey, this segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by Independence Blue Cross. They're a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. Check out all of our podcasts and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPA. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.